if you can name one story out of the book of Ezra, this is it. <laughs> the uh, putting away of the foreign wives. Um, so uh, that's where we are this morning. Uh, Ezra 9 and 10. Um, so just a, just a quick summary uh, before we get started. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, of what we're about to read. Um, so chapter 9, like I said, the, the people have taken uh, foreign wives. So they've, they've married women. It's, it seems to be men only that are guilty of this, right? Um, they have married women that are not Jews, that are um, descended from other lands. Um, and again, this background, the, the Israelites have been carried away into captivity for decades and now they've come back and um, some earlier and some in the previous chapter um, <clears throat> and they've come back to the land of Judah and Judea um, but it's a very different land than the one they left. A lot of foreign people have um, populated it um, and anyway so um, so they have married um, women of the land, and, and that is forbidden, and we'll talk about that at length um, in a second. Um, and so a lot of chapter 9 here is, is, a, is a prayer of Ezra where he is just devastated uh, that this has happened, um, especially because he's like, we just got back from captivity. Come on. <laughs> we have not learned anything yet. Um, and... In chapter 10, we're going to see that, that it's not just wives, but there's children, as you might expect as well, that's, that's involved in this. Um, um, so again, what we've been reading, ch uh, chapter 7, 8, and now 9 and 10, is 57 years after the first six chapters, okay? But I think the people that we're talking about here includes the first group uh, from six decades before. Um, because they have sons uh, or children and because um, there's a mention in chapter 10 that some of the people guilty are the sons of Jeshua, the son of Jehozadak. Well, that's the Jeshua we've been reading about for the first six chapters, the, the guy that's, you know, one of the leaders, one of the really good guys in the story. Um, and I don't think he ceases to be a, one of the good guys, but some of his sons committed the sin. Um, and so it seems that it's very much going all the way back to the first group of, of exiles. Um, please grab a handout if you haven't had a chance to yet. Uh, <clears throat> Alright, so. Um, so before we read Ezra 9, um, so like I say, is about um, not marrying the foreign wives. Let's learn why that's a sin. <laughs> so let's go to Deuteronomy 7. Um, So Deuteronomy 7, uh, if you want to read verses 1 through 6, <coughs> uh, along with me. Uh, Deuteronomy 7, 1 through 6. It says, When the Lord your God brings you into the land that you are entering, uh, to take possession of it. <coughs> now, so this is a command right before they go and, and, and take control of, of Canaan, right? Uh, when the Lord your God brings you into the land that you are entering to take possession of it and clears away many nations before you, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, 
seven nations more numerous and mightier than you. <clears throat> and when the Lord your God gives them over to you and you defeat them, then you must devote them to complete destruction. You shall make no covenant with them and show no mercy to them. You shall not intermarry with them, giving your daughters to their sons or taking their daughters for your sons. Uh, for they would turn away your sons from following me to serve other gods. Then the anger of the Lord would be kindled against you and he would destroy you quickly. But thus you shall deal with them. Uh, you shall break down their altars and dash in pieces their pillars and chop down their ashram and burn their carved images with fire. And uh, verse 6, For you are a holy people, uh, I'm sorry, for you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. Um, so there's the command. Um, if your first thought is, the reason they're doing this is because of not mixing races or not mixing ethnicities. I don't think that's at all the point here. Okay, um, <clears throat> It's about Jews and non-Jews coming together. Um, again, this is Old Testament. Um, does this apply to us today? This specifically, definitely not. And we're going to come to that later. Um, but it's still important to read this to understand the character of God, right? Um, and so, I, again, I think the, the intent here is the fact that these people are, as verse 4 says, they would turn away your sons from following me to serve other gods, right? So the problem is that these are heathen people that they're marrying with. And as we've talked about, I'm sure, many times here in sermons and anywhere that you've grown up, if you've uh, attended... Um, church somewhere else that um, if you marry somebody who is very anti-religious um, they're going to more likely drag you away from your religion than you bring them into um, holiness right um, that's and that's at least a, a very clear and present danger um, and so that's that's the thing here that I think is being avoided um, and, I, and I read verse 6 uh, as well for that point. You are a people holy to the Lord your God. That's, that's the point, is, is keeping the people holy. Um, not so much the color of their skin. Okay, uh, I don't think that's it at all. Um, <clears throat> uh, and to that point, um, I think there's clearly approved examples, times when this happens in the Bible and it's, it's good, that, that people do marry non-Israelites, but they've been converted to Judaism before they married. Um, so we look at Rahab. Rahab, in, the, in Joshua chapter 2, I'm not going to read it, but I'm hoping you're familiar with the story. But, but Rahab, the, the, the harlot, the prostitute, uh, she was not a Jew. She lived in Jericho before they took over Jericho. Um, <clears throat> but... Um, you know, she finds favor with the people there, and even in the New Testament, in Hebrews 11, chapter th uh, verse 31, um, she's you know says by faith Rahab, right? Like she's mentioned as, as one of these pillars of faith. Um, and she, in case you're wondering, she did marry a Jew. We know this from the genealogy of Jesus Christ, actually, uh, in Matthew chapter one, um, that she married the father of Boaz. And who's Boaz? Boaz married Ruth, and Ruth was not a Jew uh, by by birth. Um, Ruth was from Moab. Um, so there's another example of someone marrying a non-Israelite. Um, but it seems to be very much an approved thing. Uh, Boaz, of anybody, seems to be a man of exceptional character. Um, <clears throat> and Ruth got a book named after her. 
So I think I think this is approved, right? I think it's okay when people married a non-Israelite if that person converted to to Judaism first. Um, <clears throat> so I think that's that's clearly the message. Not again, not necessarily their nationality. Um, so then you might be wondering, okay, what if it does happen? What if someone does marry someone that they shouldn't? What if someone marries, in this in this case in the Old Testament, someone marries a non-Jew? Well, the promise here in verse 4 of Deuteronomy 7 is he would destroy you quickly. <laughs> um, and that's, that's the promise, um, whether that happens every time or at least if it's the entire nation doing this you know that was that was the promise is is what would happen um, but when we read Ezra here um, you'll find that Ezra intervenes and says please don't <laughs> don't kill them all uh, you just saved us from captivity we are the remnant we're all that's left please don't kill us all um, and so okay and he grants them that um, they're not destroyed but now what well, we don't have that recorded in Deuteronomy. We don't have that recorded anywhere, I don't think, of a specific command um, from a prophet or from, from the hand of God himself saying, this is what you do in case I didn't kill them, <laughs> right? Um, this, this isn't there. So now uh, the people in Ezra's time have to use some discernment. Um, and, and that's kind of where we are, right? We don't, we don't get to say, can you call up the nearest prophet and figure out what to do? We have the Bible. We have revealed scripture and we have to discern what to do. Um, and so that's kind of where they are. Um, <clears throat> at least that's all we, we have revealed to us anyway. Uh, so let's go to Ezra. Uh, uh, chapter 9. Uh, and it's only 15 verses. They're kind of long though. Uh, so we'll just read through this really fast. Ezra 9, uh, one, all of it. <laughs> um, <clears throat> After these things had been done, the officials approached me and said, uh, The people of Israel and the priests and the Levites have not separated themselves from the peoples of the lands with their abominations from the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, the Ammonites, the Moabites, the Egyptians, and the Amorites. And, in, and notice that's actually a longer list than the one we read in Deuteronomy. Um, <clears throat> for they have taken some of their daughters to be wives for themselves and for their sons, um, yeah, uh, so that the holy race has mixed itself with the peoples of the lands and in this faithlessness uh, the hand of the officials and chief men has been foremost as soon as I heard this I tore my garment this is Ezra speaking uh, and my cloak and pulled my hair from my head and, and beard and sat appalled then all who trembled at the words of, of the God of Israel because of the faithlessness of the returned exiles gathered around me while I sat appalled until the evening sacrifice and at the evening sacrifice I rose from my fasting, with my garment and my cloak torn, uh, and fell upon my knees and spread out my hands to the Lord my God, saying, O oh my God, I am ashamed and blushed to lift my face to you, my God, for our iniquities have risen higher than our heads, and our guilt has mounted up to the heavens. From the days of our fathers to this day we have been in great guilt, and for our iniquities we are kings and our priests have been given into the hand of the kings of the lands, to sword, to captivity, to plundering, to utter shame, as it is today. But now, for a brief moment, favor has been showed, uh, shown by the Lord our God to leave us a remnant and to give us a secure hold within this holy place that our God may brighten our eyes and grant us a little reviving in our slavery. For we are slaves, yet our God has not forsaken us in our slavery, but has extended to us a steadfast love before the kings of Persia to grant us some reviving, to set up the house of our God, to repair its ruins, and to give us protection in Judea and Jerusalem. 
And now, O our God, what shall we say after this? For we have forsaken your commandments, which you commanded by your servants the prophets, saying, The land that you are entering to take possession of it is a land uh, impure with the impurity of the peoples of the lands, with their abominations that have filled it from end to end with their uncleanness. Therefore, do not give your daughters to their sons, neither take their daughters for your sons, and never seek the peace, their peace or prosperity, that you may be strong and eat of the good of the land, and leave it for an inheritance to your children forever. And after all that has come upon us for our evil deeds and for our great guilt, seeing that you, our God, have punished us less than our iniquities have deserved, uh, deserved and <clears throat> have given us such a remnant as this, we, shall we break your commandments again and intermarry with the peoples who practice these abominations? Would you not be angry with us until you consumed us, so that there should be no more remnant nor any to escape? O Lord, the God of Israel, you are just, for we are left a remnant that has escaped as it is today. Behold, we are before you in our guilt, for none can stand before you because of this. Um, <clears throat> so I'll go through some brief points in uh, chapter 9 and uh, try to keep it moving because I don't have a lot of time. Um, so verse 1, it's everybody. Um, the people of Israel and the priests and the Levites uh, <clears throat> uh, are the ones that, that have sinned. Uh, I think I said last week, um, I had the impression it was only the priests. I was wrong uh, and I, I do apologize. Uh, for that, I can't remember exactly what I said, but if I said that, um, I, I, I do apologize. It's it's everybody. Um, <clears throat> now, verse two, it's kind of very much echoing what we what we read in um, in verse one, really. What uh, Deuteronomy seven says. Um, I, I like that phrase in verse two. The the holy race, uh, holy offspring, has mixed itself with the peoples of the lands. And again, that's 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 the key is the is the holiness, not so much the nationality of the people. Uh, and you see Ezra uh, utterly stunned in, in verse three, in the typical Old Testament reaction. Um, in verses eleven through twelve. Um, Ezra, in his, in his prayer, um, mentions the prophets. He says, um, beginning of verse 11, which, you know, at the end of verse 10, we've forsaken your commandments, which you commanded by your servants, the prophets, saying, and then he goes on. Uh, none of this is a specific one single direct quote. Uh, he kind of combines, and I don't think there's anything wrong with this, but he combines a few different scriptures, especially what we read in Deuteronomy 7. Um, there, it's, it's interesting when, in retrospect, uh, people call them the prophets. You know, I don't think they were then, you know, uh, called prophets. But in a way, they were prophesying. Um, now we know, in hindsight, um, <clears throat> and um, verse 14. I think you're very much echoing Moses when he had to plea uh, for the for his people. Um, I, I'm bad at, at the specifics, but but it was something along the lines of God saying to Moses, "Step aside, I'm about to destroy everybody." And Moses says, "Please don't." <laughs> and and Ezra can feel that coming on, I think, um, because that's that's what was promised: is I will destroy you all, basically, uh, for for this particular sin. Um, and so. Um, and it was the same basic situation. They just they just came out of captivity in Egypt in, um, in the time of Exodus. And here they just came out of captivity <laughs> in Persia. Um, and already they're, they're in, into sin, sin that's clearly wrong, that they know is wrong. It's not it's some sort of gray area. Um, all right, so chapter 10, that's kind of the heart of what I want to deal with today, um, is what do they do now? Um, they haven't been destroyed, so now what? 
Um, and we don't, like I say, there's not specific command for this because this is an exception <laughs> to the rule. Um, Um, so the solution is um, to put away the wives. Um, there's a logic to that. You shouldn't be married to them, therefore undo it. But that's a lot easier said than done, isn't it? Um, and uh, we learn um, that they, there's also children involved um, as well. So um, you're breaking up families by doing this. Um, and like I say, I think it's important to, to stress it's not just the people that arrived with Ezra like a few months ago or wh whatever it is in this time frame, uh, I think it, it goes back to people who've lived there for decades. Um, and these are long-established families um, that, that, they're, that they're having to break up. Um, <clears throat> so I don't, I don't see anywhere in here um, where there was a prophet. So as a, as, as a little background, again, if you haven't been here, you would think Ezra being one of those books that you've barely heard of, he must be a prophet. He's not. <laughs> He's a priest. Um, but I don't. I don't know of any prophet that came down and told them what to do here. We don't know everything that happened, but we don't see that here. Um, all we see is really. It seems like the people just had to figure out a solution on their own. Um, <clears throat> and that's that's what we'll see in the beginning of, of chapter ten. Uh, but if you look at verse eleven, just kind of jumping ahead before we read it um, of chapter ten. So Ezra ten verse eleven. Um, he says, Now then make confession to the Lord, the God of your fathers, and do his will. Separate yourselves from the people of the land and from the foreign wives. Um, so what they have decided apparently is in accordance with the will of God, uh, even if they may not have had specific revelation saying, this is the will of God, do this now. Um, they, they have discerned correctly. Um, <clears throat> so let's read... I'm only going to read uh, 1 through 17. Um, I've, I've been reading all the names, but again, in the interest of time, I, I, I won't. Um, well, I don't know. I'm just going to assume I don't have enough time. <laughs> all right, so chapter 10, first 17 verses. <clears throat> While Ezra prayed and made confession, weeping and casting himself down before the house of God, a very great assembly of men, women, and children gathered to him out of Israel, for the people wept bitterly. And Shechaniah, the son of Jehiel, of the sons of Elam, addressed Ezra, We have broken faith with our God and have married foreign women from the peoples of the land, but even now there is hope for Israel in spite of this. Therefore let us make a covenant with our God to put away all these wives and their children, according to the counsel of my Lord, uh, and those who tremble at the commandment of our God, and let it be done according to the law. Arise, for it is your task, and we are with you. Be strong and do it. Then Ezra arose and made the leading priests and Levites and all Israel take an oath that they would do as, as had been said. So they took the oath. Then Ezra withdrew from before the house of God and went to the chamber of Jehohanan, the son of Eliashib, where he spent the night neither eating bread nor drinking water, for he was mourning over the faithlessness of the exiles. And a proclamation was made throughout Judah and Jerusalem to all the returned exiles that they should assemble at Jerusalem <clears throat> and that if anyone did not come within three days by order of the officials and the elders all his property should be forfeited and he himself banned from the congregation of the exiles then all the men of Judah and Benjamin assembled at Jerusalem within three days it was the ninth month on the twentieth day of the month 
And the people sat in the open square before the house of God, trembling because of this matter and because of the heavy rain. And Ezra the priest stood up and said to them, You have broken faith and married foreign women, and so increased the guilt of Israel. Now then make confession to the Lord, the God of your fathers, and do his will. Separate yourselves from the peoples of the land and from the foreign wives. Uh, then all the assembly answered with a loud voice, It is so, we must do as you have said. But the people are many, and it is a time of heavy rain. We cannot stand in the open, nor is this a task for one day or two, for we have greatly transgressed in this matter. Let our officials stand for the whole assembly. Let, it, let all in our cities who have taken foreign wives come at appointed times, and with them the elders and judges of every city, until the fierce wrath of our God over this matter is turned away from us. Only Jonathan, the son of Asahel, and Jazaiah, the son of Tikva opposed this, and Meshulam and Shabbatai the Levite supported them. Then the returned exiles did so. Ezra the priest selected men, heads of fathers' houses, according to their fathers' houses, each of them designated by name. On the first day of the tenth month, they sat down and examined the matter, and by the first day of the first month, they had come to the end of all the men who had married foreign women. Um, so, uh, just to run through some points in the text. <coughs> uh, going back to verse 1, chapter 10. Uh, the people came to him while he prayed. So I'm thinking this was out loud. Um, and, and, and very loud. <laughs> um, and I, the people seem to know about their sin before Ezra prayed, uh, when we read that in, in chapter 9. But I mean, I wonder if some were convicted during his prayer as well. And, uh, and even those that knew they were wrong are probably even more, like, you know, cringing in their heart, you know. Um, I'm guessing there, but I, I, you sort of get that sense that they, they're, they're wandering slowly with their head down <laughs> toward Ezra from streaming in from all directions, you know. Um, and it was a very great assembly, it says. Um, <clears throat> um, and I, I skipped verse 2 on the paper here, but, you know, this, there's often mentioned here, like in verse 2, we have broken faith with our God. It's, it's, it's a very serious uh, thing it's 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 equivalent to abandoning their faith is is, is how they're taking this um, and that's that's the right attitude. Um, <clears throat> so verse three, here's the plan, um, and it seems to come from this one man from um, uh, Jeconiah. I think it's she- Shechaniah is his name, um, <clears throat> uh, but they seem to all agree with it. Um, so the, the covenant with our God to put away all these wives and their children. I like the uh, the King James, the wives and such as are born of them, in case you were of any doubt <laughs> who the children belong to um, or where they came from. Um, it's directly um, from them. Um, again, verse 3 um, he says, do this according to the counsel of my Lord. This is how I have it in the English Standard, which is what I've been reading out of. Um, if you have the King James, if you have the New American Standard, they all say the same thing, uh, counsel of my Lord. Uh, I didn't check every translation. Um, some might say it's the counsel of the Lord. Um, I, I tend to agree with every single translation <laughs> um, uh, over that. Um, I, I think it's, it's a them discerning this on their own rather than they've already received some revelation. Um, but then the end of verse 3 is interesting. Let it be done according to the law. Um, and again, English Standard, they capitalize that. Uh, that's translator's choice, I guess. But 
Um, and again, I think they are. I think they're doing this in accordance with the law, even if the law hasn't spelled out this exact scenario. I think they're still doing it in accordance with, with the will of God. Um, <clears throat> and I'm saying all this, of course, is kind of build up to what do we do today in similar situations and um, how do we discern the, the, the will of God today. Um, verse 4, I, I, it, to me it's sort of funny. Um, they say to Ezra, I like the New American Standard. This matter is your responsibility. <laughs> really? <laughs> like, didn't you all sin and not me? But but he's he's their leader, and someone has to lead, um, and so they're looking to him. Um, <clears throat> verse seven and eight, I think, is is interesting. Um, it's not every single person that sinned, um, but the the proclamation was that everybody had to be there for this assembly. Um, all the returned exiles. Um, and, and the punishment is something else. Huh? Um, like If you don't come, no big deal. We're just going to take all of your stuff. Right? So, um, but if you want to come or not, it's up to you. So, <laughs> so it's, 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 a, it's a national sin and it's a national problem. And, they, and they, they're dealing with it together. And I think that's, that's a good way to approach that. If we have a, a sin... Um, something that rampant in a congregation you don't just say well I've only been married once and and she was never married either I'm good you guys good luck with that you know you, you don't just kind of stand off and just wish them the best right it's everyone's problem um, <clears throat> I think that's that's very good um, sort of ironic in verse 9 that the people are trembling because of this matter and because of the rain. Um, it, it makes me think of when we read in chapter 3, uh, the people weeping at the building of the temple. Some were just rejoicing, and some were like, this thing is so small. We remember when the temple was bigger, and they're weeping for that reason. So there's <laughs> just sort of dual motives in the crowd sometimes. Um, <clears throat> all right, I got 15 minutes. Um, and then verse 13 to 17, um, you see that they had to, they, there was. So many people, they didn't want to do anything rash or um, just make one blanket decision for everybody. They took, it seems, every single person, every single family, every single case, one by one, and assessed the situation and made a judgment for that family. Um, because they, they did it over a span of three months, uh, as you can kind of piece together from the last couple of verses there. Um, uh, I borrow a, a thought from one of my footnotes here uh, in my study Bible. It, I, I tend to think this makes some sense. Is well, maybe some had married foreign wives, but they had converted them to Judaism first, and then you know maybe that's okay for them to <coughs> um, to be part of their assembly, uh, and, and maybe not. So so maybe that's why they had to take that, that amount of time is because not every single situation is the same. Um, so, you know, speculation there, but um, something to think about. Um, all right, so on a page three of your handout. Um, so for us today, and there's, there's a page four, I just didn't want to put a new topic halfway across two pages. Um, so <laughs> page three. Um, okay, so we're not in the Old Testament. Um, what do we do today? Um, 
and, we, and I could go through this, but Hebrews 8.13, for example, um, you see, well, let's read that. It's, it's, a, it's a good time to read that. Uh, Hebrews 8. Not too many. Nope. And there are other, other verses. Uh, Galatians 3.24, I think. Um <coughs> Summing up a very complicated chapter, <laughs> Hebrews 8.13 says, In speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. And what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. new covenant, the old one is gone. Uh, we are in under the new covenant or the new testament. Right? We're under the, the law of Jesus Christ. We're not under the, the law of Moses, which would include Ezra right? um, or Deuteronomy for that, that matter. Um, so those instructions don't command us today, uh, but but we still learn from these things, as Romans 15.4 uh, teaches us. It's still our, our tutor, or schoolmaster, um, to uh, to kind of guide us um, in in into the character of God and, and, and principles like this. So uh, first and foremost, let's go to First Corinthians seven. Um, the most obvious parallel to what's going on in Ezra is what if I as a Christian marry a non-Christian just like these Jews married non-Jews and the advice is quite the opposite here in the New Testament 1 <clears throat> Corinthians 7 uh, 12 to 14 Paul says to the rest I say I not the Lord is that if any brother has a wife who is an unbeliever and she consents to live with him he should not divorce her if any woman has a husband who is an unbeliever, and he consents to live with her, she should not divorce him. Uh, for, the unbelieving, uh, for the unbelieving husband is made holy because of his wife, and the unbelieving wife is made holy because of her husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but as it is, they are holy. Uh, you can't help but think that this language borrows very heavily from Ezra and from Deuteronomy, the idea of the holiness of, of the family. Um, <clears throat> But the command is, is, is the exact opposite. If you have married a non-Christian, um, there are scriptures that, that can tell you that's not wise. Um, but if you have, uh, or if, you, if neither of you were a Christian, and then one of you became converted uh, somewhere along the way, um, do not, do not, do not divorce. Um, some will talk about verse 15, but what if they leave, then let it be so, okay, then they left, but that doesn't necessarily give you a right to marry someone else. That, that's a whole other topic, the Pauline exception and all of that. I, I don't think anyone here uh, believes in that. But um, but at least verse 12 to 14, don't, don't divorce if, if you're simply a Christian and a non-Christian. There's, there's no grounds for that in the New Covenant. But do we have anything that we can, we can glean from this? Um, <clears throat> So I'm, I'm going to trust that you have read some scriptures on marriage before, and I'm not going to go over them, but I put them on the paper uh, just in case. Um, you've probably heard that churches tend to teach divorce is bad. You, you may have heard that. Um, <laughs> um, something that's rarely talked about <laughs> is the other half of a lot of these verses, which is um, it is wrong to marry someone who has been divorced. Um, <clears throat> And let's let's read Matthew 5:32, uh, just because it's nice and short. <laughs> uh, 
Um, but I give you these scriptures um, if you want to study them further. Um, Matthew 5, uh, let's read 31 and 32 because it's just only a couple sentences. Um, Sermon on the Mount, Jesus speaking, of course. Uh, it was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. This was their belief um, of the Jews then. Jesus says, but I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Um, so if you have um, if you have divorced or been divorced, um, and you had no right to do so, um, that is sin. That is, that is adultery in and of itself. Um, <clears throat> all right, so page four, the big page. Um, all right, so again, kind of like in Ezra's day. Well, what if this happened? What if so? Divorce is bad today. Um, well, what if it did happen? What if someone divorced and there was no uh, scriptural? Uh, right for them to have have done so is clearly a sin. The divorce itself is a sin. They should not have divorced. Um, <clears throat> what what happens then? So um, you say, well, and that person sinned. Okay, and they should repent. Yes. Um, is it is it is it just in words though? Um, what if what if this person so what if it's a woman who um, got divorced for some random reason, the old irreconcilable differences or something or, 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 or what have you, just fell out of love, they just don't want to be married anymore. Two people, you know, say they, they were married at a very young age um, and then got divorced very young for the wrong reasons. Um, and then they, they marry someone else. Um, and they've been together for 10 or 20 years, and they've had children together. Um, they're, um, the children still still live with them, um, <clears throat> you know, and they love each other, and they're kind and generous people, um, and as much as you want to sugarcoat it, um, is it enough to just, if they learn the truth, um, that they, they should not be married to each other because one of them was divorced for the wrong reason, right? Is it enough for them to just say, I repent, and that's it, just in words? and no actions. Um, you say, surely they shouldn't break up this wonderful family. Um, <clears throat> or should they? Um, so, emotions run high in, in a situation like this. Uh, the important things to consider, really, is what is God pleased with? Uh, what is true repentance? Is it just in words, but still living in the same condition that you were? Or is it more than that? Um, and What's going to keep us out of heaven? Uh, these are the things we need to be considering. Uh, what for us, or for that, that couple specifically, or a handful of people, really, it's a lot of people that get involved. Um, I would say repentance demands actions. Uh, repentance uh, is words, and it's more. Uh, we know from James 2, faith of that works is dead, right? Um, and, uh, wow, I'm running out of time so fast. <laughs> Um, Matthew 3 where John the Baptist is, is talking to the uh, 
Jewish leaders there. I can never remember at any given point if they're scribes or Pharisees or Sadducees or if they are. Um, but he, you know, he tells them you need to bear fruit in keeping with repentance. So you need to do things. It's not just enough to come to John the Baptist and say, I want to be baptized. Um, John the Baptist said, no, that's, that's not enough. You need to bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Um, you would think John the Baptist would have been thrilled that people were coming to him to be baptized. <laughs> and he turns them away and says, you're not ready. You're not ready for this. You're not ready um, for the law of Christ because you're, you're, you have not repented the way that you need to. And that's not even talking about divorce or anything. That's just generally, right? Um, so um, several of the uh, examples and things that I'm um, going to use from here on out um, is from a series of, of sermons that I've been listening to. Um, I don't want to uh, call his name out. I'll be glad to tell you afterward, personally, uh, who it is, but I, I don't want to call his name out for the, the simple reason uh, that I don't want you to think that this is so-and-so's doctrine or whatever. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you he did preach a gospel meeting here, I think in January, hint, hint. Um, so you can go look it up, but um, I'm just not going to spell it out right now. <coughs> Um, all right, so I like this, this example. Imagine you, you stole someone's watch. Um, that person sees you wearing their watch, and they call you out. They say, hey, you're wearing my watch. And you say, you're right, I did steal it. I am sorry. Doesn't it look nice? And you keep the watch. Um, you said you're sorry, so you repented, right? No, no. You, you said the words, but you didn't do the action. You didn't give the watch back. That's not repentance. If you say you're sorry and you keep living in theft, um, that's, that's not repentance. First um, Corinthians 5. Uh, we're not, I'm not going to turn there for time, but um, there's a man who has his father's wife, and, and this, that whole, most of that whole chapter, Paul is, is railing against the church, saying, why are you tolerating this? A man has his father's wife. Imagine that the church wrote back to Paul to say, he is still living with someone else's wife, but he said he's sorry, so we're having him teach the Bible class now. No. <laughs> no, no. This, this man is still living with his father's wife. You, be, you better believe he's not teaching the Bible class. Paul told them, put him out of the church um, because this is such a bad sin. Um, it's not enough to just say he's sorry. He has to stop doing it, right? Um, and John the Baptist was, was imprisoned because of, of what he told King Herod. Ultimately, he was killed. I mean, not necessarily directly because of it, but sort of as a side effect in a, in a way. But he was imprisoned because he told King Herod, it's is not lawful for you to have your, your brother's wife in Mark chapter 6, uh, verse 18. So um, John the Baptist was willing to, to, to speak truth to power in that way. Um, <clears throat> again, it wouldn't have been enough for Herod to just say, I'm sorry. Like, he would have had to actually... Give, give back his brother's wife, right? Um, so, you know, First Corinthians five is the one that stands out of, of how egregious the sin is, um, and and you would you would obviously expect somebody to to do something about that. Um, but w- what about things that we would deem more gray areas? You know, um, someone like we talked about, someone who married after um, after divorcing someone for the wrong cause. Um, you know, what if it was because of irreconcilable differences? What if the, the ex-husband was abusive? Is, is, that, is that still enough cause? Um, <clears throat> and again, emotions get involved, and we, we all of a sudden see shades of gray. Um, but 
I, I think repentance is repentance. If you should not be married to this person, you should not be married to this person. Um, so, so what do you do now? Uh, now that you know that this is wrong. Um, well, I'd say just like Ezra's day, um, if you have a marriage that is sinful in its very nature, um, that should end in civil divorce. Um, Jesus said, and I don't, I didn't cite this here, but you know, Matthew 19, um, Matthew 19, I don't know which verse. Um, he says, "What God has joined together, let no man separate." Did God join together these people who shouldn't have been married in the first place? I would say no, right? So, are you separating what God has joined together, or are you separating what was sinful? I think you're separating what was sinful. Um, so, in in that way, that that is a divorce that, or a civil divorce for certain uh, that that should happen and, and must happen uh, is the way that I would understand. Uh, these New Testament scriptures and, and our reading of Ezra. Um, and if we have someone that, that desired to be saved um, <clears throat> and, and came forward and they were in a, a situation where they were in a marriage they, they shouldn't be in, uh, we should absolutely expect this kind of repentance before baptizing them. We should expect that if they are in a sinful situation, including sinful marriage, that that, that marriage should end uh, if they really say that you know, well, I, I hear, believe, confess, repent, and I want to be baptized. Well, you repented in words, but you need to repent in actions. You need to get rid of that sinful situation. Um, and I think we would be guilty as well um, if, if we baptized someone and pretended that they were saved when they have not followed through on the actions uh, of repentance. Um, again, we don't have any specific command of this nature, uh, but neither do the Jews. Um, that marriages that are that are in and of themselves, the marriage itself is sinful, um, uh, cannot continue. Um, 